Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss six questions in nine minutes because leaders know how to be concise. Let's get started with our guest today. Our first question, in a few sentences, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Charles Araujo, Charlie to most people, and I am a technology industry analyst, author, speaker, bottle washer, you name it. I wear lots of hats. Um, I founded an organization called the MAPS Institute with my wife that we launched about a year ago. I founded an organization called the Institute for Digital Transformation about 10 years ago. And so I, uh, I travel the world, well, used to travel the world before the pandemic, talking mm. and speaking to people about where the, the future is going and how to make sense of all of it. Mm. It's a fascinating perspective about what direction we're going to be heading into. That's great. Well, thank you. Question number two, what's the best thing about working with a team? Wow, isn't that one of those fun questions? Because uh, I, I made a, a, a pledge to myself a long time ago that I would not have employees ever again, which I have since broken because there's a lot of things that maybe aren't always as good with, with running a team, particularly if you're a leader or a manager of that team. But, but here's what the, the best part of it is. I, in my opinion, what I have always loved about either being on a team or leading a team is just that you're able to step beyond yourself. You're able to get and, and kind of connect in a way that you are not going to be able to do if, it, if it's just you and yourself and your brain. Um, and, I, and I just got off a call a second ago with a, an old friend of mine. And just in that hour conversation, we had all these ideas started popping up because I'm engaging with him. And so I think it's not about, I mean, I have no desire to tell anyone what to do anymore, but this idea of being able to engage and interact is just, you know, floats my boat. Yeah, that collaboration is a big key. I hear that a lot when I ask that question is about uh, the collaboration and they have with their colleagues. So great, great response. Question number three, I hear from other leaders of teams that it can be a challenge to get team members engaged, which is kind of what you were hinting at here just a little bit ago. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, this, may, this may not go over that well. I think if you're having trouble getting your team engaged, it's, you should probably start by looking at yourself. Um, I, I think it really does come with how you, how you choose to engage, meaning that I think we, in the industrial age, I spend a lot of time talking about the, the industrial age and how we're transitioning into what I call the digital era, but it was rooted in this idea that, that people were, in fact, machines, they were robots, that we had to direct them, guide them, tell them exactly what to do. And as humans, we're act, that's the exact opposite of how we're programmed. We, you know, Daniel Pink has done some amazing work in this area about, but how do we create this environment where people thrive? And it's about autonomy. It's about this sense of, of actually caring about what you're doing. And so the leader, if you want to have people engage, you need to open those doors for them. You need to, it's not about telling them what to do. And that's, that maybe that's the best way. It's not about engaging with you. It's about you engaging with them. I completely agree. You're absolutely right. The leader has a huge part of uh, influencing that engagement. That's a great response. Question number four, what other pieces of advice do you have for leaders of teams? You know, if, if I had to give every, boil this down to a single piece of advice, it's always the same. And that is listen, or maybe a little bit more eloquently now, practice, develop your own sense of empathy. Um, it, it's ironic. I, I have an ex-wife that would tell you that I was Mr. Spock and not very empathetic and didn't listen well. And, and there's a lot of that that is true. Um, but when it comes to my employees that I, you know, when I did lead, I, I led a team of about 100 employees back with the grand old age of 25. And um, I had several people years later um, come back up to me and say, you know, to this day, Charlie, you're still the best manager I ever had. And statements like that. And, and they always sort of... Um, they always sort of 
help me feel better about this this period. But what I really came down to is that I re- the reason it worked, the reason I was successful and the reason I was able to get so much out of my team is because I was so young and so green that I didn't begin to think that I knew it all. Mm-hmm. And so I was coming to them and asking, tell me what you know, tell me what you think, tell me how you think we can solve this. And I, this wasn't any great leadership advice. This wasn't any brilliance. It was pure ignorance and, and you know, desperation that I had to find my way through this. And I knew that I would do better off by, by asking them how I could help them. And so, you know, if you learn to listen, if you learn to be empathetic, if you learn that you do not always have to have the answer, then you are going to have a more engaged team, a team that does things that you will never imagine if you thought you were going to build some big, big plan and tell everyone, this is what we're going to do and go and follow me, right? I mean, the old, the, the, the image, right? The, the best leaders are the ones that actually lead from behind. And so that, that's really where it would come out from for me. That's great advice. That really is the idea that we need to just listen and really be there and have that empathy that you talked about. Fantastic advice. Question number five, what other successful leaders of teams would you like to recognize that have had a positive influence in your life? Uh, two, actually. Uh, one is, is unquestionably my dad. My dad is a fascinating fellow. He ran SWAT teams and he was LA County Sheriff for 30 years and, and did every, you know, if you've ever seen any show with uh, police procedural kind of thing, he did that job. I mean, it doesn't matter what it was, high profile, he did it. And I would go to events with him and the impact that he had, that people would come up and just tell story after story after story about how important he was in their life had this great impact on me, mostly because my dad was also the same guy that would walk into the room and he would go sit in the corner by himself. And he wasn't out there like waving his flag. And it, it, what, I, what I came to learn as I got older was that it was all rooted in this idea that he wasn't trying to be the hero, despite being a cop, despite being in these situations where people were shooting at him, that he was always there trying to figure out how he was going to put his team first to take care of them. And that's what created this relationship. And, and this, the second person is very related to that, um, a woman by the name of Joan Adler, who really gave me my start in corporate IT when I, when I began. And I, you know, I told you I was 25 having this team of 100. Well, that started as an individual contributor at the ripe old age of 19. And she saw me out of school. I just had a baby. I mean, I was a mess. And she saw potential and she gave me a chance. She was, I mean, when I talk about listening and empathy, I remember this one time I was so embarrassed. I, I showed up because I had work to do on a Saturday and, but it was my weekend with the kids. I'd been, I was now divorced. I was this young father, a single father. And so I brought my kids thinking there was nobody going to be there. I'd bring in color books and I get there and there's my boss, the CIO, who was actually my boss's 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 boss. And I'm like, oh God, what do I do? And she was happy and impressed that I was you know, so committed to this work that she literally babysat my kids. She was doing, you know, taking to the copy machine and taking pictures of their hands and stuff so I could get my work done. And I, I look back on that years later and saying, it's like, wow. I mean, here she took out time from her own Saturday to come in and instead of doing the work that was so important that she had to give up her Saturday, she's taking care of my kids so I could do my job she became one of my models for how I, how I would eventually lead teams and really do everything that I do from here on out. That's an impressive story. I really like hearing those kinds of stories about people that have had 
what what and what's interesting about that story is you might expect it to be some grandiose, powerful story. It's a powerful story, but in a very very simple way. And all she did was help you to accomplish what you needed to do. I'm sure that that meant a lot. What a great story! Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's uh, sorry. I know you're trying to keep this. No, short. no, go ahead. <laughs> but it is. I mean, you know, talk about the one advice I said listening. The other one is it is exactly that. Those little things. I, I remember I hand wrote a card to this uh, per, an employee of mine once, and when she left, like two years later, it was like the last thing she packed. It had this little, I mean, I don't even remember writing it, right? But she, this handwritten card had such an impact on her because it is, it's those little things, those little statements that say you matter, that what you're doing is important. And that's what that was that Joan did for me. That's absolutely right. It, we, we don't, we underestimate those simple things. And that's impressive that she remembered it and held on to it. And it was that meaningful to you. And you're, and you're right, you're, you don't even remember writing it. And yet at the same time, it had a big impact on her. So, wow, that's great stories. Thank you for sharing both of those. Well, last question, tell us about your first job. Oh, my first, well, I mean, I guess it, matter, it depends on what you want to call a job, but my first thing that earned me money, it was actually in middle school, junior high, and I sold cinnamon toothpicks. I'm dating myself, but in the, uh, what year, this would have been the early 80s, I guess, cinnamon toothpicks became this hot, trendy thing. And I discovered that you could go and buy bottles of cinnamon oil and take raw toothpicks out of the box, stuff them in there and marinate them and create your own cinnamon toothpicks. But they were illegal at my, they were like banned at my junior high. So I was basically a middle-aged, well, I'm sure today it's actual drugs, but I was like the equivalent of a drug dealer because I would show up with my cinnamon toothpicks in these little baggies. And I had a network of distributors who I would hand them out to every morning and they would bring them at the end of the day and they'd bring me the money that they'd sold them for and they'd get their cut. And I was, I don't remember, but I was making like a hundred bucks a week as a 10 year old or something selling cinnamon toothpicks. So that was my first uh, job. Oh, I love it, though. That shows the entrepreneurial spirit. So that's great. Charlie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How can people find you? Uh, easiest way is at my website, www.charlesarajo.com. It's A-R-A-U-J-O. Um, and on social media, I'm pretty much Charles Rajo everywhere you go. So happy to find me. Very good. Thank you so much. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. Again, that's teamengagementpodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining us today and have a great day.